0: The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 15. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, Section 15, Fourth Book, Part 4. With the approach of spring, times became again more quiet with us and if in earlier days i had endeavoured to obtain a sight of the city its ecclesiastical civil public and private structures and especially found great delight in the still prevailing antiquities i afterwards endeavoured by means of lausner's chronicle and other frankfortian books and pamphlets belonging to my father to revive the persons of past times This seemed to me to be well attained by great attention to the peculiarities of times and manners and of distinguished individuals among the ancient remains that which from my childhood had been remarkable to me was the skull of a state criminal fastened up on the tower of the bridge who out of three or four as the naked iron spikes showed had since sixteen sixteen been preserved in spite of the encroachments of time and weather whenever one returned from Sachsenhausen to frankfort one had this tower before one and the skull was directly in view as a boy i liked to hear related the history of these rebels, Fettmilch and his confederates. How they had become dissatisfied with the government of the city, had risen up against it, plotted a mutiny, plundered the jews' quarter, and excited a fearful riot, but were at last captured and condemned to death by a deputy of the emperor. Afterwards I felt anxious to know the most minute circumstance and to hear what sort of people they were. When, from an old contemporary book ornamented with woodcuts, I learnt that while these men had indeed been condemned to death, many counsellors had at the same time been deposed, because various kinds of disorder and very much that was unwarrantable was then going on when i heard the nearer particulars how all took place i pitied the unfortunate persons who might be regarded as sacrifices made for a future better constitution for from that time was dated the regulation which allows the noble old house of Limpurg, the frauenstein house sprung from a club besides lawyers tradespeople and artisans to take part in a government which completed by a system of ballot complicated in the venetian fashion and restricted by the civil colleges was called to do right without acquiring any special privilege to do wrong among the things which excited the misgivings of the boy and even of the youth was especially the state of the jewish quarter of the city judenstadt properly called the Jews' street judengasse as it consisted of little more than a single street which in early times may have been hemmed in between the walls and trenches of the town as in a prison Zwinger. the closeness the filth the crowd the accent of an unpleasant language altogether made a most disagreeable impression even if one only looked in as one passed the gate it was long before i ventured in alone and i did not return there readily when i had once escaped the importunities of so many men unwearied in demanding an offering to traffic at the same time the old legends of the cruelty of the jews towards christian children which we had seen hideously illustrated in gottfried's chronicle hovered gloomily before my young mind and although they were thought better of in modern times, the large caricature still to be seen, to their disgrace, on an arched wall under the bridge-tower bore extraordinary witness against them, for it had been made not through private ill-will, but by public order. However, they still remained the chosen people of God. And passed no matter how it came about as a memorial of the most ancient times besides there were also men active and obliging and even to the tenacity with which they clung to their peculiar customs one could not refuse one's respect the girls moreover were pretty and were far from displeased when a christian lad meeting them on the sabbath in the fischerfeld showed himself kindly and attentive i was consequently extremely curious to become acquainted with their ceremonies i did not desist until i had frequently visited their school had assisted at a circumcision and a wedding and formed a notion of the feast of the tabernacles everywhere i was well received pleasantly entertained and invited to come again for it was through persons of influence that i had been either introduced or recommended thus as a young resident in a large city i was thrown about from one object to another and horrible scenes were not wanting in the midst of the municipal quiet and security sometimes a more or less remote fire aroused us from our domestic peace sometimes the discovery of a great crime with its investigation and punishment set the whole city in an uproar for many weeks we were forced to be witnesses of different executions and it is worth remembering that i was also once present at the burning of a book the publication was a french comic romance which indeed spared the state but not religion and manners There was really something dreadful in seeing punishment inflicted on a lifeless thing. The packages burst asunder in the fire and were raked apart by an oven-fork to be brought in closer contact with the flames. It was not long before the kindled sheets were wafted about in the air and the crowd caught at them with eagerness, nor could we rest until we had hunted up a copy, while not a few managed likewise to procure the forbidden pleasure nay if it had been done to give the author publicity he could not himself have made a more effectual provision but there were also more peaceable inducements which took me about in every part of the city my father had early accustomed me to manage for him his little affairs of business he charged me particularly to stir up the labourers whom he set to work as they commonly kept him waiting longer than was proper because he wished everything done accurately and was used in the end to lower the price for a prompt payment in this way i gained access to all the workshops and as it was natural to me to enter into the condition of others to feel every species of human existence and sympathize in it with pleasure these commissions were to me the occasion of many most delightful hours and i learned to know every one's method of proceeding and what joy and sorrow what advantages and hardships were incident to the indispensable conditions of this or that mode of life i was thus brought nearer to that active of class which connects the lower and upper classes For if on the one side stand those who are employed in the simple and rude products, and on the other those who desire to enjoy something that has been already worked up, the manufacturer, with his skill and hand, is the mediator through whom the other two receive something from each other. Each is enabled to gratify his wishes in his own way the household economy of many crafts which took its form and colour from the occupation was likewise an object of my quiet attention and thus was developed and strengthened in me the feeling of the equality if not of all men yet of all human conditions the mere fact of existence seeming to me the main point and all the rest indifferent and accidental as my father did not readily permit himself an expense which would be consumed at once in some momentary enjoyment as i can scarcely call to mind that we ever took a walk together and spent anything in a place of amusement he was on the other hand not niggardly in procuring such things as had a good external appearance in addition to inward value no one could desire peace more than he although he had not felt the smallest inconvenience during the last days of the war with this feeling he had promised my mother a gold snuff-box set with diamonds which she was to receive as soon as peace shall be publicly declared in the expectation of the happy event they had laboured now for some years on this present the box, which was tolerably large, had been executed in Hanna, for my father was on good terms with the gold-workers there, as well as with the heads of the silk establishments. Many designs were made for it. The cover was adorned by a basket of flowers, over which hovered a dove with the olive branch. A vacant space was left for the jewels which were to be set partly in the dove and partly on the spot where the box is usually opened the jeweller to whom the execution and the requisite stones were entrusted was named latensack and was a brisk skilful man who like many artists seldom did what was necessary but usually works off caprice which gave him pleasure the jewels were very soon set in the shape in which they were to be put upon the box on some black wax, and looked very well, but they would not come off to be transferred to the gold. In the outset my father let the matter rest, but as the hope of peace became livelier, and finally when the stipulations, particularly the elevation of the Archduke Joseph to the Roman throne, seemed more precisely known, He grew more and more impatient and i had to go several times a week nay at last almost daily to visit the tidy artist owing to my unremitted teasing and exhortation the work went on though slowly enough for as it was of that kind which can be taken in hand or laid aside at will there was always something by which it was thrust out of the way and put aside the chief cause of this conduct however was a task which the artist had undertaken on his own account everybody knew that the emperor francis cherished a strong liking for jewels and especially for coloured stones ladensack had expended a considerable sum and as it afterwards turned out larger than his means on such gems out of which he had begun to shape a nosegay, in which every stone was to be tastefully disposed according to its shape and colour, and the whole form a work of art worthy to stand in the treasure vaults of an emperor. He had in his desultory way laboured at it for many years, and now hastened, because after the hoped-for peace the arrival of the emperor for the coronation of his son was expected in Frankfurt, to complete it. And finally to put it together my desire to become acquainted with such things he used very dexterously to divert my attention by sending me forth as his done and to turn me away from my intention he strove to impart a knowledge of these stones to me and made me attentive to their properties and value so that in the end i knew his whole bouquet by heart and quite as well as he could have demonstrated its virtues to a customer it is even now present to my mind and i have since seen more costly but not more graceful specimens of show and magnificence in this sort he possessed moreover a pretty collection of engravings and other works of art with which he liked to amuse himself and i passed many hours with him not without profit finally when the congress of Hubertsburg was finally fixed he did for my sake more than was due and the dove and flowers actually reached my mother's hands on the festival in celebration of the peace i then received also many similar commissions to urge on painters with respect to pictures which had been ordered my father had confirmed himself in the notion and few men were free from it that a picture painted on wood was greatly to be preferred to one that was merely put on canvas. It was therefore his great care to possess good oak boards of every shape, because he well knew that just on this important point the more careless artists trusted to the joiners. The oldest planks were hunted up. The joiners were obliged to go accurately to work with gluing, painting and arranging, And they were then kept for years in an upper room where they could be sufficiently dried a precious board of this kind was entrusted to the painter junker who was to represent on it an ornamental flower pot with the most important flowers drawn after nature in his artistic and elegant manner it was just about the springtime and i did not fail to take him several times a week the most beautiful flowers that fell in my way which he immediately put in and by degrees composed the whole out of these elements with the utmost care and fidelity on one occasion i had caught a mouse which i took to him and which he desired to copy as a very pretty animal and i really represented it as accurately as possible gnawing an ear of corn at the foot of the flower-pot many such inoffensive natural objects such as butterflies and chafers were brought in and represented so that finally as far as imitation and execution were concerned a highly valuable picture was put together hence i was not a little astonished when the good man formally declared one day when the work was just about to be delivered that the picture no longer pleased him since while it had turned out quite well in its details It was not well composed as a whole because it had been produced in this gradual manner and he had committed a blunder at the outset in not at least devising a general plan for light and shade as well as for color according to which the single flowers might have been arranged he scrutinized in my presence the minutest parts of the picture which had arisen before my eyes during six months and had pleased me in many respects And much to my regret managed to thoroughly convince me even the copy of the mouse he regarded as a mistake for many persons he said have a sort of horror of such animals and they should not be introduced where the object is to excite pleasure as it commonly happens with those who are cured of a prejudice and think themselves much more knowing than they were before I now had a real contempt for this work of art and agreed perfectly with the artist when he caused to be prepared another tablet of the same size on which according to his taste he painted a better formed vessel and a more artistically arranged nosegay and also managed to select and distribute the little living accessories in an ornamental and agreeable way This tablet also he painted with the greatest care, though altogether after the former copied one, or from memory, which through a very long and assiduous practice came to his aid. Both paintings were now ready, and we were thoroughly delighted with the last, which was certainly the more artistic and striking of the two. My father was surprised with two pictures instead of one, and to him the choice was left he approved of our opinion and of the reasons for it and especially of our good-will and activity but after considering both pictures some days decided in favour of the first without saying much about the motives of his choice the artist in an ill-humour took back his second well-meant picture and could not refrain from the remark that the good oaken tablet on which the first was painted had certainly had its effect on my father's decision. Now that I am again speaking of painting, I am reminded of a large establishment where I passed much time because both it and its managers especially attracted me. It was the great oilcloth factory which the painter Nothnagel had erected an expert artist, but one who by his mode of thought inclined more to manufacture than to art. In a very large space of courts and gardens, all sorts of oil-cloths were made, from the coarsest, that are spread with a trowel, and used for baggage wagons and similar purposes, and the carpets, impressed with figures, to the finer and the finest on which sometimes Chinese and grotesque, sometimes natural flowers, sometimes figures, sometimes landscapes, were represented by the pencils of accomplished workmen. This multiplicity, to which there was no end, amused me vastly. The occupation of so many men, from the commonest labour to that in which a certain artistic worth could not be denied, was to me extremely attractive. I made the acquaintance of this multitude of younger and older men working in several rooms one behind the other, and occasionally lent a hand myself. The sale of these commodities was extraordinarily brisk. Whoever at that time was building or furnishing a house wished to provide for his lifetime and this oilcloth carpeting was certainly quite indestructible. Not Nagel had enough to do in managing the whole, and sat in his office, surrounded by factors and clerks. The remainder of his time he employed in his collection of works of art, consisting chiefly of engravings, in which, as well as in the pictures he possessed, he traded occasionally. At the same time he had acquired a taste for etching. He etched. A variety of plates and prosecuted this branch of art even into his latest years as his dwelling lay near the eschenheim gate my way when i had visited him led me out of the city to some pieces of ground which my father owned beyond the gates one was a large orchard the soil of which was used as a meadow and in which my father carefully attended the transplanting of trees and whatever else pertained to their preservation, though the ground itself was leased, Still more occupation was furnished by a very well-preserved vineyard beyond the Friedberg gate, where between the rows of vines, rows of asparagus were planted and tended with great care. Scarcely a day passed in the fine season in which my father did not go there, And as on these occasions we might generally accompany him we were provided with joy and delight from the earliest productions of spring to the last of autumn we now also acquired a knowledge of gardening matters which as they were repeated every year became in the end perfectly known and familiar to us but after the manifold fruits of summer and autumn the vintage at last was the most lively and the most desirable nay there is no question that as wine gives a freer character to the very places and districts where it is grown and drunk so also do these vintage days while they close summer and at the same time open the winter diffuse an incredible cheerfulness joy and jubilation pervade the whole district in the daytime huzzas and shoutings are heard from every end and corner and at night rockets and fireballs now here now there announce that the people everywhere awake and lively would willingly make this festival last as long as possible the subsequent labour at the wine-press and during the fermentation in the cellar gave us also a cheerful employment at home And thus we ordinarily reached winter without being properly aware of it these rural possessions delighted us so much the more in the spring of seventeen sixty three as the fifteenth of february in that year was celebrated as a festival day on account of the conclusion of the hubertsberg peace under the happy results of which the greater part of my life was to flow away But before I go farther, I think I am bound to mention some men who exerted an important influence on my youth. Von Ollenschlager, a member of the Fraunstein family, a scherf and son-in-law of the above-mentioned Dr. Ort, a handsome, comfortable, sanguine man. In his official holiday costume he could well have personated the most important French prelate after his academical course he had employed himself in political and state affairs and directed even his travels to that end he greatly esteemed me and often conversed with me on matters which chiefly interested him i was with him when he wrote his illustration of the golden bull when he managed to explain to me very clearly the worth and dignity of that document. My imagination was led back by it to those wild and unquiet times, so that I could not forbear representing what he related historically as if it were present, by pictures of characters and circumstances, and often by mimicry. In this he took great delight, and by his applause excited me to repetition. I had from childhood the singular habit of always learning by heart the beginnings of books and the divisions of a work, first of the five books of Moses, and then of the Aeneid, and of its metamorphosis. I now did the same thing with the golden bull, and often provoked my patron to a smile when I quite seriously and unexpectedly exclaimed, Omne regnum in desolavitur. Nam principes eus factis sunt soci forum. Footnote, every kingdom divided against itself shall be brought to desolation, for the princes thereof have become the associates of robbers, translator. The knowing man shook his head, smiling, and said doubtingly, What times those must have been when at a grand diet the emperor had such words published in the face of his princess there was a great charm in von ollenschlager's society he received little company but was strongly inclined to intellectual amusement and induced us young people from time to time to perform a play for such exercises were deemed particularly useful to the young We acted Canute by Schlegel, in which the part of the king was assigned to me, Elfrida to my sister, and Ulfo to the younger son of the family. We then ventured on the Britannicus, footnote, Racine's tragedy translator. For besides our dramatic talents, we were to bring the language into practice. I took Nero, my sister Agrippina, And the younger son britannicus we were more praised than we deserved and fancied we had done it even beyond the amount of praise thus i stood on the best terms with this family and have been indebted to them for many pleasures and a speedier development von reineck of an old patrician family able honest but stubborn A meagre swarthy man whom I never saw smile the misfortune befell him that his only daughter was carried off by a friend of the family he pursued his son-in-law with the most vehement prosecution and because the tribunals with their formality were neither speedy nor sharp enough to gratify his desire of vengeance he fell out with them and there arose quarrel after quarrel suit after suit he retired completely into his own house and its adjacent garden, lived in a spacious but melancholy lower room into which for many years no brush of a whitewasher and perhaps scarcely the broom of a maid-servant had found its way. He was very fond of me and had especially commended to me his younger son. He many times asked his oldest friends, who knew how to humor him, his men of business and agents, to dine with him, and on these occasions never omitted inviting me. There was good eating and better drinking at his house, but a large stove that let out the smoke from any cracks caused his guests the greatest pain. One of the most intimate of these once ventured to remark upon this by asking the host whether he could put up with such an inconvenience all the winter he answered like a second timon or Hotoni would to god this was the greatest evil of those which torment me it was long before he allowed himself to be persuaded to see his daughter and grandson the son-in-law never again dared to come into his presence On this excellent but unfortunate man my visits had a very favourable effect for while he liked to converse with me and particularly instructed me on world and state affairs he seemed to feel himself relieved and cheered the few old friends who still gathered round him often therefore made use of me when they wished to soften his peevish humour and persuade him to any diversion he now really rode out with us many times and again contemplated the country on which he had not cast an eye for so many years he called to mind the old landowners and told stories of their characters and actions in which he showed himself always severe but often cheerful and witty we now tried also to bring him again among other men which however nearly turned out badly about the same age if indeed not older was one herr von Malapert, a rich man who possessed a very handsome house by the horse-market and derived a good income from the salt-pits he also lived quite secluded but in summer he was a great deal in his garden near the Bockenheim gate where he watched and tended a very fine plot of pinks Von Heineck was likewise an amateur of pinks. The season of flowering had come, and suggestions were made as to whether these two could not visit each other. We introduced the matter and persisted in it till at last von Heineck resolved to go out with us one Sunday afternoon. The greeting of the two old gentlemen was very laconic indeed, almost pantomimic, and they walked up and down by the long pink frames with true diplomatic strides the display was really extraordinarily beautiful and the particular forms and colors of the different flowers the advantages of one over the other and their rarity gave at last occasion to a sort of conversation which appeared to get quite friendly at which we others rejoiced the more because We saw the most precious old Rhine wine in cut decanters, fine fruits and other good things spread upon a table in a neighbouring bower. But these, alas, we were not to enjoy. For von Reineck, unfortunately, saw a very fine pink with its head somewhat hanging down. He therefore took the stalk near the calyx very cautiously between his fore and middle fingers and lifted the flower so that he could well inspect it. But even this gentle handling vexed the owner. Von Malapert, courteously indeed, but stiffly enough and somewhat self complacently, reminded him of the Oculis non manibus put in eyes not hands, translator. Von Heineck had already let go the flower, but at once took fire at the words and said in his usual dry, serious manner that it was quite consistent with an amateur to touch and examine them in such a manner whereupon he repeated the act and took the flower again between his fingers the friends of both parties for from malapert also had one present were now in the greatest perplexity they set one hair to catch another that was our proverbial expression when a conversation was to be interrupted and turned to another subject but it would not do The old gentleman had become quite silent, and we feared every moment that von Heineck would repeat the act, when it would be all over with us. The two friends kept their principles apart by occupying them now here, now there, and at last we found it most expedient to make preparation for our departure. Thus, alas, we were forced to turn our backs on the inviting sideboard, yet unenjoyed. Afrad Huskin, not born in Frankfurt, of the reformed footnote that is to say, he was a Calvinist, as distinguished from a Lutheran translator, religion, and therefore incapable of public office, including the profession of advocate, which, however, because much confidence was placed in him as an excellent jurist, he managed to exercise quietly both in Frankfurt and the imperial courts, under assumed signatures was already sixty years old when i took writing-lessons with his son and so came into his house his figure was tall without being thin and broad without corpulency you could not look for the first time on his face which was not only disfigured by smallpox but deprived of an eye without apprehension He always wore on his bald head a perfectly white bell-shaped cap, tied at the top with a ribbon. His morning gowns of calamanco or Damask were always very clean. He dwelt in a very cheerful suite of rooms on the ground floor by the allee, and the neatness of everything about him corresponded with this cheerfulness. The perfect arrangement of his papers, books, and maps produced a favourable impression. His son, Heinrich Sebastian, afterwards known by various writings on art, gave little promise in his youth. Good-natured, but dull, not rude, but blunt, and without any special liking for instruction, he rather sought to avoid the presence of his father as he could get all he wanted from his mother. I, on the other hand, grew more and more intimate with the old man the more I knew of him. As he attended only to important cases he had time enough to occupy and amuse himself in another manner i had not long frequented his house and heard his doctrines before i could well perceive that he stood in opposition to god and the world one of his favourite books was agrippa de Vanitate scientiarum which he especially commended to me and so set my young brains in a considerable whirl for a long time. In the happiness of youth, I was inclined to a sort of optimism, and had again pretty well reconciled myself with God or the gods, for the experience of a series of years had taught me that there was much to counterbalance evil, that one can well recover from misfortune that one may be saved from dangers, and need not always break one's neck. I looked with tolerance, too, on what men did and pursued, and found many things worthy of praise which my old gentleman could not by any means abide. Indeed, once, when he had sketched the world to me rather from the distorted side, I observed from his appearance that he meant to close the game with an important trump-card. He shut tight, his blind left eye as he was wont to do in such cases looked sharp out of the other and said in a nasal voice even in god i discover defects my timonic mentor was also a mathematician but his practical turn drove him to mechanics though he did not work himself A clock wonderful indeed in those days, which indicated not only the days and hours, but the motions of the sun and moon he caused to be made according to his own plan. On Sunday, about ten o'clock in the morning, he always wound it up himself, which he could do the more regularly, as he never went to church. I never saw company nor guests at his house, and only twice in ten years do I remember to have seen him dressed and walking out of doors. My various conversations with these men were not insignificant, and each of them influenced me in his own way. From every one, I had as much attention as his own children, if not more. And each strove to increase his delight in me as a beloved son, while he aspired to mould me into his moral counterpart olenschlager would have made me a courtier von reineck a diplomatic man of business both the latter particularly sought to disgust me with poetry and authorship frisgen wished me to be a tyman after his fashion but at the same time an able jurisconsult, a necessary profession as he thought with which one could, in a regular way, defend one's self and friends against the rabble of mankind, succour the oppressed, and above all, pay off a rogue. Though the last is neither especially practicable nor advisable. But if I liked to be at the sight of these men, to profit by their counsels and directions, younger persons, only a little older than myself, roused me to immediate emulation. I name here before all others the brothers schlosser and grisbach but as subsequently there arose between us greater intimacy which lasted for many years uninterruptedly i would only say for the present that they were then praised as being distinguished in languages and other studies which opened the academical course and held up as models and that everybody cherished the certain expectation That they would once do something uncommon in church and state with respect to myself i also had it in my mind to produce something extraordinary but in what it was to consist was not clear but as we are apt to look rather to the reward which may be received than to the merit which is to be acquired so i do not deny that if i thought of a desirable piece of good fortune it appeared to me most fascinating in the shape of that laurel garland which is woven to adorn the poet End of section 15.